We're live. Hey, we are back, guys. Welcome to Rankable episode 18. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. I'm joined by co-host, founder, CEO of iPool Rank, Mike King. Thank you again, brother, for, for joining and being on, man. Of course, man. Anything for you. Let's yeah. do it. My God. And so <laughs> yeah. today, I'm going to say for today, guys, so today's the, the episode, our, our main premise for the conversation is the keys of, to social media success. So we'll be joined by a special guest today. Um, he's a big brother of mine, a mentor, somebody I have immense amount of love and respect for, um, Ken Gibbs. So he's currently the head of social series at Amazon. So think about all the movies that come out, like the Jack Ryans and all those movies that, you know, that are coming out, coming to America that will be coming out, things like that. He'll be heading the social strategy for that. So what we want to do today is just talk about some tips and tricks. What are some things on how you should be approaching social? And he'll be joining shortly. So before we, you know, we get into it, we'll just set the stage and me and Mike will just talk about where we see social media and why is it important for brands to be kind of doubling down on it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially in these unprecedented times, um, you know, people are using social media in a variety of ways to really understand what's going on. And the brands that haven't really been investing there are missing out because people want that real time information. They want that real time engagement with brands. And, you know, we've seen so many great examples of brands that have used this as an opportunity to further that connection with people. Um, it'd be a mistake to not use this these channels as like a very effective way to further the brand and you know when, when you think about social and how it's changed so many things like we even think about music right like it's really created a new dynamic and model for like how an artist can make a direct connection with people like people don't need labels anymore they, they can just build their fan base reach out to them directly and you know put out the music when they feel like it yeah. so the same thing is true for a bigger brand like they use social media as a direct conduit to reach the people that they're trying to reach <laughs> i wish i could mute out my children i'm sorry we absolutely cannot man i wish i had a mute button <laughs> if they had mute buttons on them i would certainly use them yeah <laughs> i love them man but now I, I think you're, you're absolutely right with that. I think, I think the brands that you see really excelling, like I think I posted it the other day, like a, a brand like Wendy's, right? You gotta just look at Wendy's and look at social media as a way to have that direct conversation, you know, with your audience and with your team members, right? Or with your, with the customers, your consumers, right? And I think a lot of the times that most brands, they just, you know, they don't use it effectively. And I, the reason why I think so many people gravitate to somebody like Wendy's is that they speak like you and I. And I think as we move forward more and more, especially with today's times, like people want to know where you stand as a brand. How do you feel? Where can I get this information? Can you make me laugh? I want more than nuggets. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Things like that. So I think for brands, especially, man, I think they need to really identify what their brand voice is, who their audience is, and understand what they want from them and just have that conversation, which will lead to sales. If you do it right, you know, it, 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 can, it can go crazy for you. It can, it can really have an impact. Wendy's is such a good example because you know if you're a social media person going into wendy's you're like okay well here's our content calendar and here's what we're gonna do like it's gonna be boring it's gonna be like with mcdonald's and burger king do, right like exactly it's just like very buttoned up and corporate and so on but um instead wendy's does something that's very compelling and reflective of what we want to see on social media like they are funny as hell Exactly. You know what I mean, like I'm retweeting 
things that that Wendy's is saying because they're going directly at these other brands, which is something that they tell you to never do. Like, don't right. do these things. And they're yep. like, no, we're going to be authentic. We're going to say what you're thinking. <laughs> we're going to be engaged with you. So it really just comes down to like, what are you trying to do as a brand? And is it going to be something that people actually care about? Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good question. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like what what is too much though, right? You know, is there is there a line? Is there a fine line across like in terms of how you, you know, in, you know, talk about Burger King and McDonald's and things like that? Can they have a negative impact to that, do you think? Uh, I mean, you know, I think use common sense, right? Like <laughs> you you don't want to say anything egregious or that's going to be like, you know, offensive to the sensibilities of the people that you want to be connecting with. Like, here's an example, right? We just did these ads where we were talking about being a black owned business and you know hiring a black owned business like leaning into this conversation of people uh being interested in diversity equity and inclusion and so on and you know there's all the comments every single comment on these ads when we ran them on facebook was like this is racist it's not racist to be you know prideful of who you are when yeah. who you are is not like a negative thing yeah so yeah you know it we could easily cower from that and be like we're never going to run an ad talking about being black again but we're obviously not going to do that we're going to be who we are That's and it. so eventually we will connect with the right people who see these types of messages and like yes this is great we love you know you showing pride in being a black owned business and that's going to resonate with those people it doesn't matter that it doesn't resonate with people who actually are being racist by saying that this is a racist message when it is clearly not. Yeah. So um, I think it comes down to you know who you want to be as a brand. And there's Gibbs. Yeah. Mr. Gibbs, how are you, brother? <laughs> all good. Hello, guys. Apologies for running a bit late here. Uh, meetings back to back these days. Oh man, I can imagine, man. No, when isn't it? When isn't it back to back now? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But I appreciate you as always, man. You missed the, the great intro I gave you, man. But <laughs> for those listening at home, you know, this is this is my mentor, my big brother, Ken. Um, he's somebody I rely on for a lot of information in terms of just business, professionally, personally, and what have you. And I think it's very important for, and I'm excited to have this conversation on air because, you know, his knowledge, his wealth of knowledge about social is, you know, extensive. And I would love to share those tips and tricks with you. But um, if you want to, Ken, I would love to just start off. Do you want to just start with, a, um, with your current role and let the audience know what you're currently doing at, uh, at Amazon right now? No doubt, no doubt. So my current role is head of series social at Amazon Prime Video, basically managing the social strategy and the social footprint across all of the original series. Yeah. And, I, and I'm curious too, man. So I know you had, your background extends 20 plus years. You worked at places like Africana, TV One, um, you know, you were the editor in chief. What made you make that transition to social? And I, I'm just curious to know, you know, what, you know, you was in a lot of digital marketing, but what made you make that shift and, and why do you love social so much? So, I mean, I don't look at it as me having transitioned to social. I look at it more so as social being the evolution of everything that I was doing on digital. You got to think about it when I was at AOL years ago, they had AOL Instant Messenger. That was essentially what social media was back then. You know, you wonderful were, product. Yeah. <laughs> everything was all through AIM back then and that like that was your name right that was essentially your profile and then myspace came uh well actually black planet let's make sure we give yep. 
Yeah, Wonderful community. <laughs> uh, so they came first, and that's when you started to see people communicating, right, about products, media, what have you. And when you're looking to market and promote media, you've got to find where the people are. So the natural evolution was to find where they were, and they began to congregate at these networks. And the networks, from a business perspective, began to uh, accommodate the businesses, create ad units, create other ways to target these users and what have you. So it's really just an evolution of, of finding people online. Absolutely, man. And I'm curious to know from you, like, because me and you have these conversations offline, I'm curious to know, like, what is one campaign that you, you know, that you have, were a part of that, you know, excelled really well? What do you think attributed to that success of that campaign? I mean, a few different things, right? Um, so obviously I've only really been at Amazon for barely over a month or really haven't had a chance to get into many of the current campaigns. But in my time at BET, I'd say the most impactful one that we did was um, for one of the BET awards, I forget, but it was the year that Prince passed away. Right. Yeah. And uh, we basically, you know, the team looked at the horizon and found out what show was the only award show happening between uh, that time and the BT Awards. It was the Billboard Music Awards. They were doing their tributes to um, a Prince with Madonna. You know, Prince, the, uh, the Purple Army, they're kind of like the predecessors to the Beehive, the Navy, all of that. Uh, yeah. Just because of that, that connection that Prince built with that fan base. And I think really the strength in our campaign was as a brand acknowledging that fan page that fan base, right? Letting them know that, hey, you know, basically through social listening, we see that you all are not happy with this tribute to your your God, the purple God. And don't worry, we saw that we got you, which is the BET slogan, letting them know the day, date, and time of the BET Awards that year, which was going to be the ultimate Prince tribute. And the audience awarded it and recognized it as such. Um, when we woke up the next morning, you know, you couldn't talk, you couldn't talk about the Billboard Awards without talking about that BET tweet. It was yeah. on Good Morning America, CNN. We got more earned media from that than probably the budget uh, for the entire campaign, right? Wow. So I mean, that, that to me was, was one of the better campaigns because A, internally, it really helped leadership understand the power of social. One, uh, two, from a brand perspective, uh, you know, people looking for brands to have positions and, and sentiment and attitudes today. And BET as a brand hadn't really done much of that traditionally. So this was one of the first times we kind of stepped forward and, and spoke to the audience in a tone in which they recognize, right? Like the internet is all about snark, humor, all that. We put some of that in there in a respectable way uh, and it was successful. Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the most valuable, I, what you just said just now was super valuable, right? You guys actually listen to the audience and listen to what you guys, what the customer wanted and what your audience and you delivered. I think that's something that a lot of brands don't do. And then you spoke to them in the tone that they want to be spoken to, right? We were just talking about before you joined, right? Like how Wendy's is one of the best social media accounts. It's not because they're, you know, they're saying they've got the best nuggets and things like that because they're, they're saying what we're thinking. You know, they, they're being oh, got the best nuggets though. Yeah, the nuggets. Right. <laughs> but you know what? Like, so my favorite accounts are the food accounts. And I think it's because there's zero expectation from a food brand on social, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you really care about the Instagram profile of a place that you go to get burgers from? You know? <laughs> like, they don't make media. 
right? So it kind of let it gives them, I think, the license to play in that space almost like their customers, right? Which is yeah. different when you're at a brand new, that's creating content or has got a connection to the community like a BET. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, you know, I've been in a number of pitch meetings where it's like, oh, we're a toilet paper brand. How should we associate, how should we approach social media or like some sort of brand that's inherently boring and so on. And I really appreciate, like you said, the food brands of being able to be very risky and, and play with each other on social and so on. And, you know, my question is, how do you think other brands should approach this in such a way where they're able to take these types of risks, these measured risks? to see how their audience might react. I think first it's gotta be really just a part of your brand strategy. Like it can't just be a social stunt. Social is really just a delivery method, right? Yeah. So yeah. whatever you're doing there should actually tie back to something that you get more tangible. Right, like you think about Geico for instance, right? Or any, Geico has really changed the way influence is sold and mandated that it be human. Right, everyone. Who's in the current place now? I think I go back to Monday. Even all state has gone to like split home to voice towards more comical spots, right? Because the reality is, are you really going to be able to explain the intricacies of an insurance policy in a 30 or 60? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think you can look at it creatively and say, as as some of the other campaigns do, I think it's um nationwide or something like that, but like <laughs> there can be comedy in some of the incidents that will call for you to meet insurance, right? And and so I think from a brand perspective, you've you got to think about that. Like, we want people to talk about us, not just about our product. So really, what's our position going to be? Like, what, what's our soul, the ethos of this brand? Yeah. And we actually have a question from Rikisha. Hey, Queen, thank you for the support. Uh we always support them. Um, she asks, what is one error you try to avoid with social media engagement, now considering more people are in tune with social media due to the pandemic and lockdown? So like when you're creating a campaign, is there anything that you're trying to avoid? Obviously like negative impact, but what are, how do you create that within a strategy? Uh, you just gotta be, I think the number one thing is to look out for being tone depth in your strategy, right? Cause I think yeah. you're laser, laser focused on, on reach, engagement, there's a timing around it that makes sense for you, regardless of what it is, maybe it's a release or a product drop, something like that. Um, but what else is happening in the world? Right? I think, uh, was it yesterday? Sometimes, early, sometimes earlier this week, Kim Kardashian <laughs> dropped the tweet of, took all my friends to a private island, you know, just so we could feel like it's, it's normal again. You know, and it's like, well, no, it's all normal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You know? And and there was backlash against that. And so I think from a brand perspective, like when you're in social, I always say people are here to be social, not to be sold to. So you gotta be social with them. And being social also includes being cognizant of just reading the room, knowing what's happening. What are they actually talking about over top of that? Yeah, don't be the person that runs up in the party just yelling like, yo, look at me. <laughs> it's a lot of that. <laughs> it's a lot of that on LinkedIn. And, I, and that's something that, that you've helped me with too. You know, I used to be the same way where I used to go on a social. I just want to be like, hey, I'm selling. I was just talking about this in the green room. Like five years ago, Ken, I would have pitched the hell out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's not what it's about, right? It's about us, you know, cultivating that relationship. And, you know, now we've got a life lifelong friendship. You know, our kids are going to know each other and things like that. I think that's more important than the immediate sale. So when you guys are thinking about sales and social media, just be a person. 
just be a person. Just be real. Be yourself, man. Don't don't think twice about it. Obviously, there's certain things you should. I would say stay away from things like politics and stuff like that. But besides that, just be yourself, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be yourself. I always say, you know, take care of yourself and, and let them see you. Like, that's kind of my philosophy. On yep. it. I actually enjoy that there's a network where I can come and pose questions about certain things that are happening in the industry, whether they be trends or new products, and actually have informed people kind of speak to that. Because uh, that's the conversation I'm looking for, not the conversation I'm able to have here at the house with my six and 10 year old, my wife yeah. during the pandemic, you know? So I always say like, hey, like, let people see what you're thinking about or share your perspective on this topic. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through an article, right? Because uh, we're, a lot of us are very busy. We might not have time to read that that five pager. Yeah, I, I think I'm curious too. Do you ever have that thought of like, hey, I don't want to ask a specific question about social because you know what I mean? I don't want to make it seem like I don't know about a, a specific thing. Yeah. I know that's a big thing with people, like with content. It's like, damn, what if they think I'm not smart or not this or not that? So how do you combat that? I know you. I mean, hey, if you, if you know everything, that's a problem. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a problem. You might want to do a little bit of self-examination there. <laughs> but the reality is well, one of the reasons why I love this space is that it'll always keep you on your toes, right? And I mean, there are new things every day. Facebook might be the old platform in the room at this point, but there are always new features, new units, new ways for you to use that platform to deliver your message and, and find your audience. So that's, that's one of the things that... Uh, prevents me from having any trepidation about asking a question like that openly, right? Like yesterday, for instance, uh, one of my former direct reports sent me a clubhouse invite and put me onto that, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, in the last 48 hours, you know, <laughs> clubhouse has come up like five times. I was like, send, send me the invite. I guess I need to get on there. You yeah, know? I got the invite too, but it's iOS only, so. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the green in your text. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I, I was thinking of another. I just had it, but I just lost it too, man. Do you have, do you have a question, Mike? <laughs> Actually, matter of fact, let's talk about this. There's something that was a big topic, right? I would love to know where, where do you think you see social within the next three to four years, and then I also want to get into the Quibi discussion right after that. All right, all right, got it. And I got, I got a hard out of like two. Um, so social in the next three, four years, I think you're already seeing what's happening. Every platform is transitioning and focusing more so on the messaging and the one-to-one -one messaging, yeah. which is going to be very interesting. I think at the uh, at the top, you might say, okay, how are you going to monetize messages, right? As opposed to the timeline. The reality is they've been monetizing messages just like Gmail has monetized your inbox, which I think got people more comfortable with that sort of intrusion or natural third party in your very intimate conversations. So mm -hmm. I can see a lot of that happening. And like, so Facebook has already kind of gone there with the groups. And I think the way uh, social has been used to not only, you know, it, hey, let, there's no other way around it. This election is obviously, I think, symptomatic of it, but social media has exposed some of the darker parts of society. And after Trump gets out of office, I don't think we're gonna be able to bury those things. And people have lost jobs and income from expressing ignorant views, albeit theirs. Like they they were fine with, with owning and expressing it on these networks, but there were repercussions 
right? And I think as a result, you're going to see everything kind of going to more private messaging and groups so that people can continue to, to share those views and not face those repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's where I think social is going to go. Um, but what you want to know about Quibi? No, we actually got a question. I'm going to get into the Quibi. So, the, Brian, appreciate the support, man. And thank you for the question. He said, regarding the documentary, The Social Dilemma, do you think there will be any changes in the near future with social media platforms? None at all. None at all. I've been doing this for 20 years. The Social Dilemma wasn't nothing new. I mean, anyone who's been working in this space for a while at scale was familiar with all of those tactics and just that reality. And I also think, you know, Free 99 is 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 something people are willing to give away anything right as long as they're okay. something for free and i think as long as that happens people are fine with it yeah that makes sense makes sense and then as far as the the quibi i would love to hear both of your both of your takes on that right so for those who are listening who are not familiar with quibi this was a a new streaming platform that was focusing on short form content and they had about two billion dollars of investment and they i think they launched what in march or april and then I think they just shut down recently, I think in the last week or two, right? So they were headed up by the CEO of DreamWorks and Disney, a lot of big wigs, a lot of Silicon Valley investments, right? So I would love to know from you guys, like, what do you think attributed to the dropping of the ball of that, right? And I think social have played a big part of this. <laughs> grand opening, grand closing. Yep. Um, I mean, I think the reality of it was it just wasn't a format that people cared that much about, you know, like, short form video cool like you can do that in so many different places so why do we need that platform for it i just don't know that there was you know enough of a differentiator to make it work and that's why it didn't work yeah uh, it so check out my linkedin post about this the quibi situation was so interesting to me i think it was it it really to me looked like something you would have seen in phase 1.0 of the internet right? <laughs> who is able to get huge investment saying hey you know i heard about this thing called the internet we're going to bring some video over there right because it was like all right you're doing the the short form content the same short form content that i can get on snapchat for free right and the snap originals where it was basically just bigger name talent and it's also to me a complete misread of the data like oh hey people are watching short form content now we don't need to make three hour movies anymore let's make a high gloss 15 second movie a 15 minute movie rather right like that is a complete misread of the data people are watching short form content because now they've got tvs in their pockets and when they are bored they can take it out and watch a short video and be entertained that's why mm -hmm. short form video it doesn't mean that you know the organic desire for long form knowledge is evaporating not happening right i think yeah. what was more surprising was that they were able to get so much money for an idea that on the surface this didn't make much sense yeah yeah whoever pitched that we need to work with them <laughs> <laughs> i mean and and you know i think part of it is for a certain sect in hollywood you don't actually have to be informed you just have to have prior success Mm -hmm. Right, like I think when people were talking about this early on, and you were, you were hearing about it in the trades, it was just that um, I, I forget his name, but oh, he's going around and everybody's just giving him all the money. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg or something like that. I, I might be wrong, but I know it's Jeffrey for sure. And I mean, hey, no shade, right? Like these people have had great story careers and done some incredible things, uh, but. I was surprised to see such an uninformed play in the digital space in this day and age. 
Yeah. I, I think aside from everything that you just mentioned, I also thought they misread the audience, right? Like this is supposed to be a Gen Z play. These are for people on the go, ready to go. And I don't think they market it in such a way like that. And then once they have the free trial, then they get the free trial for a month. And then it was automatically a paywall for certain content, right? So there was a barrier to entry. When why would I do that? When, like you said, I could go to Snap, I could get content. I could go to YouTube if I want to, if I want to hear a 15 synopsis of what six seasons of, of you know, whatever the wire or anything was you know what i mean i don't have to watch the whole series so it was a good concept but something that i just think is just like uh they just dropped the ball with the execution it could have been great man they had the talent yeah i mean they, they have the talent but again like i didn't i didn't understand where that fit in the marketplace you've got free media on all social platforms at short and long lengths right then we've got even more long form free media on on youtube right and then you've got an entire category of creators right unnamed creators free content everywhere right and that so your marketing your base so basically quibi finds itself in the position of the only one who's asking gen z to pay for the content yeah <laughs> That's a great point. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, you're the only one with your hand out here. And that's the generation who only pays for content in this day and age when they go to the theater. Right? Yeah. Like just there were so many things I thought that were going working against it. Now that, that makes complete sense. And it's even even then, even the movies, people aren't doing that now. I mean, so many ways to get content without having to do anything. Like we all know them. You know the <laughs> we know the platforms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It, it's out there. It's out there. Yep, totally. And I would love to, I know we got a hard stop in five minutes, but I would love to know from the from the audience, is there any other questions that you guys have for Ken, um, ourselves, anything like that? I would love to, you know, answer those before we get off. If not, I would love to tell the story of, you know, just how me and you interacted, man, because I think that's an important one. But um, let me see what the next question. I say, so we're building climate. We have a question from Susan Kimball. Thank you for joining. It says, we're building climate-friendly food brand. We struggle with our so me presence, social media presence. So where do we feature ourselves, farmers, versus our products, versus our service? Any high-level guidance for early-stage startup for social media? What, what kind of brand is it? So it looks like uh, it's, uh, they feature farmers and healthy food. It's a climate-friendly food brand. Yeah. Climate-friendly food brand. So I would say Instagram and Twitter, right? Like the, the whole climate conversation that's happening out there, I would say be a part of it, right? Understand who the real key players are there. Engage and be a part of those conversations. Let them know that you're a thought leader. Let them know that you're authentic about your commitment to that space. I think that's that's something that's only going to increase for us as we go forward, um, as it's raining up here in Jersey now yeah. uh, with the offshoot from the storm Zeta, right? Uh, the other thing is Instagram, the images, right? Like a picture says a thousand words. So if you if there there's you've got the climate aspect, then you've got the organic aspect. From both of those, I think you should be able to tell compelling visual stories that might be able to pull people into this conversation who might not know much about either climate or the whole farm aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to keep people's interests, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then what I would suggest being if you guys, I'm not sure what your budget is and things like that, but look at tools like a Hootsuite in order to listen. You know, you can look at different conversations based off whatever the topic is. So if you're looking like, you know, climate change or, you know, healthy food products, things like that, that your customers are actively talking about, you could listen and join those conversations as well as create your own post to further your, your brand engagement with your consumers. So definitely look at something like Hootsuite. And once you guys get more advanced, think about like talk walkers and, and you know, sprout socials, things like that in order to listen and create your strategy from there. Indeed, indeed. Find the influencers, you know, find the, influencers, the people who are committed, the people who are active. That's a good question too, but I was doing this a bunch, right? So how, what, what is an effective way to measure the impact of influencers, right? So I used to get this all the time at Talkwalker. So I'm curious to hear your take on that. Like what is an effective way right now to, you know, to measure the ROI of influencers? It really depends on what you need that influencer to do for you. Okay. Right. Is the influencer creating content? Is the influencer helping you raise awareness? Right. But then it's also the the influencer's position in the category. What is the category? Right. Because in many instances, sometimes micro influencers are much more impactful than mm -hmm. the mega influencers who are essentially brands themselves. Yeah. Right. Because what you're trying to do with your relationship with the influencer is help convince that target audience about, again, your authenticity and your value in whatever that category is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another, yeah, that's, that's usually, I used to get that a lot. Like people wouldn't know. The biggest questions I used to get with influencers was one, how do I know how much to pay this influencer? And then, like you said, how do I, how do I measure that? And I used to get roadblocks and I used to get sales because of that. We just reel them in. <laughs> You're like, no, we got you. That's something that was just, it's just hard. Like, especially if you're starting off as a brand, it's like you might have, I would even look at nano influencers, right? The, reg the, the regular people who are you and I that have like maybe less than 5,000 followers, right? Sometimes that voice is more trusted than the megastar or even the micro, right? Because you know what's coming from them. You kind of expect the post and the sponsor post from them. But for somebody like me, it'll come off more genuine and more authentic, which will in turn have more impact and lift for your brand. There you go. Yeah. So I appreciate it. I wanted to go into the story, man. Time flies when you're having fun. But I want to say <laughs> thank you to all the people who, who joined. You know, we're on episode 18. We wouldn't be here without all of your support. And we really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Ken, my brother, I want to say thank you, man. You know, I have a lot of love for you, man. And if you'd have you here, it means a lot to me, my brother. Great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Love what you all are doing here. And can't wait to see you up in the episode. Absolutely, brother. So I'll definitely talk to you guys. Thank you again for joining. We have another great episode next week. We also have the webinar um, with Hamlet and Mike next week. Please make sure you register for that. It's going to be super informative. And then uh, we look forward to seeing you guys. So feel free to connect with Ken on LinkedIn, connect with Mike, connect with myself, and we'll see you guys soon. All right. Take care. Oh, peace out, guys.